Hi, this is Frank Schaefer. I have had the pleasure of talking to some of the leading authors, artists, activists, and change makers of our time on this podcast. And I want to personally thank you for subscribing, listening, and sharing 100 plus episodes over 100,000 times. We have a lot of work to do to heal our divisions and secure our democracy. And I look forward to more conversations with those important voices that will bring clarity to the situation we find ourselves in as we move toward November of 2024. If you appreciate these conversations and my cultural and political commentary, please subscribe to this podcast in conversation with Frank Schaefer on your favorite platform and to my substack, It Has to Be Said, which can be found at frankschaefer.substack.com. I'd really appreciate the help. Thank you. Hi, this is Frank Schaefer. And in the 1970s with my dad, Francis Schaefer, and Dr. Sievert Koop, who became Ronald Reagan's Surgeon General, we toured the country trying to get evangelical Protestants to do something they did not want to do. And their leadership didn't either, which was join the anti-abortion cause. I dropped out of that movement a few years later and completely changed my mind. So let me start by saying two things. First, there is no moral equivalence between the anti-abortion activists and the Supreme Court taking away the rights of 153 million American women and the, quote, other side. That said, and with the absolute certainty that the, the moral right is on the side of the pro-choice movement, I think there's an inconvenient fact that both the evangelical and Roman Catholic so-called pro-lifers should face and also needs to be faced by those now anguishing as I am over the rollback of Roe v. Wade. And that is, you know, before Roe v. Wade came along, state by state, abortion was being legalized. Ronald Reagan legalized it in California as a, as a Republican. Rockefeller, as a Republican, legalized it in New York State. Now, here's the thing that's going to shock and surprise a lot of folks today. When we were trying to get the evangelical pro-life cause going, guess who our biggest opponents were? Not the National Organization of Women, not the forerunner to NARAL and Planned Parenthood and all these other organizations, but evangelical leaders. Dr. Reverend Billy Graham, the most famous evangelist of all time, was staunchly pro-choice and refused to join our cause. Reverend Criswell, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention and the president of Dallas Theological Seminary and the pastor of First Baptist in Dallas, Texas, the heart of the evangelical right and Bible Belt was staunchly pro-choice and had preached a pro-choice sermon, citing Bible verses he said showed that the fetus is not a person in the sense that we mean that word. The editors of Christianity Today magazine, the people running Wheaton College, the bastion of evangelical colleges outside of Chicago, Evangelicals involved in Moody Bible Institute, the absolute ground zero of fundamentalist American missionary organizations and mission zeal and fundamentalist Christianity. None of these people wanted anything to do with our film series, Whatever Happened to the Human Race, 
which was trying to call people to activism on the pro-life side. Why am I saying this? Because it's an inconvenient truth for both the pro-choice and the anti-abortion people today. The anti-abortion side doesn't want to admit that except for a handful of Roman Catholic theologians and teachers in this country, state by state abortion was being legalized. And in fact, it was in the South, the present red states, the South, I repeat, in the strongholds of the Southern Baptist Convention that we ran into the greatest opposition. I'll give you an example. We had booked the Grand Old Opry Theater a couple years before we rolled out with this film series for another film series we did on art and culture and history called How Should We Then Live, we filled it. When we came back with our anti-abortion series just a few years later, and my dad had not become less popular as an evangelical leader, his books were still selling in the hundreds of thousands a year, we could barely fill the front row because evangelical, Southern evangelical Christians did not believe this was an issue that concerned them. Jerry Falwell had to be talked into taking a stand on abortion and only did so when he realized the fundraising potential and he was given an avenue to power through it. And the same with Dr. Dobson of Focus on the Family. None of these people wanted anything to do with it. Why is this a big point? Well, two reasons. And as I say, neither the right or the left or the pro-life or the pro-choice people find this convenient to think about, but we've got to think about things these days. And I was there, okay? I was in the meeting with Dr. Billy Graham. I was in the meeting with the editorial board of Christianity Today magazine. I talked to Dr. Criswell and we tried to convince him to join our side. Why am I making a point of this? Because Roe v. Wade, in fact, if you look at the 50 year arc, set back the pro-choice cause. It was the litmus test energizing Republican activists and right-wingers like Paul Weirich and others. It gave them a way to talk about judicial overreach and the imperial court in the same way, by the way, the left is doing today with rolling row back. They're talking about the imperial court and that it's a right-wing phenomena and illegitimate now. Well, we use the same language to describe the court then to stir up evangelicals, anti-government evangelicals. Now, evangelicals were always anti-government right-wingers, but they were not pro-lifers. That's the change. So I think now we're sort of at this ground zero. It behooves me to tell the truth and just say, look, Roe has been rolled back and we now have to fight for abortion rights tooth and nail because, hey, not only does a woman have a right to choose, she's the only person who can choose. It's such utter nonsense to think that a court or a judge or a lawyer or a committee or white senators or politicians in the right wing of the Republican Party and the Christian nationalist movement know something more than an individual woman doesn't. Does that mean that every woman is magically going to make the right choice about everything in life? Of course not, we're all humans. But who should make that choice? Well, of course, someone has to choose in all these things. So of course, it's the woman. And that is why absolutely the only moral position is to be adamantly pro-choice. That said, tactically speaking, did Roe advance the cause? Well, 50 years on, it doesn't look like it, does it? It looks like that clean sweep in the judicial declaration did not stand because actually the Supreme Court does not have any business legislating for the right or the left. They're supposed to be above that. In the 1970s, they were, they were an activist court on the left, and now they're an activist court on the right. 
that is worse because they are pushing a whole theocracy program that goes far beyond abortion to gay rights, the right to marriage for gay couples and so forth with the judges now having been appointed, shoved in, shoehorned in by Donald Trump and the Federalist Society. It's a completely different situation. This is a far right court pushing our country and subverting our country towards a theocracy. That said, as we tried to rebuild toward using the democratic tools we have of elected representation to guarantee the right of not just abortion, but contraceptives and gay right and all the rest that is on the table now with this right-wing activist court. Let's just remember that the original ruling of Roe opened a door to judicial activism that gave people a means to push something through that maybe would have been better served when I remember that Dr. Criswell and Billy Graham and all these other evangelicals were already pro-choice if we hadn't thrown red meat to people like Paul Weyrich, this fanatical Roman Catholic activist and others with the Roe decision. Okay, that's academic now because Roe has been overturned. But as we rebuild, I think the lesson that we can learn on the left and in the progressive side is there are no shortcuts. We need to elect to office those who will stand up to Republicans. We need to elect Democrats on every level of state and national government, federal, local, state. The Republicans have played a 50-year game with the Federalist Society and others, putting people in place in state legislatures and all the rest of it. We on the left have not been as patient. We have been impatient for results. Now we have to also play the long game and be willing to fight for Democratic candidates across the board. We can't play the games like we did back when Hillary Clinton was running, as if we had the luxury of saying, oh, she's not progressive enough for us or whatever it might be. We have to sober up now. And Democrats can't be about peripheral issues. We cannot be posting all this stuff to try to be the language police to get people to refer to gender issues correctly. Hey, listen, we've got to be big strokes now and understand the chips are down and we're either going to be heading for a theocracy, a court enforced theocracy, or we are going to defend our democracy. And the only way to do that now is to fight for democratic candidates across the board on every level of government and to fight for abortion to be established as a right along with contraceptive access and all the rest of it state by state, which is now what we're being forced to do again with the rollback of Roe. So I just want to say evangelicals were not always right-wing, far-right, anti-abortion activists. In fact, it was evangelical Billy Graham, Dr. Criswell, and others who were not willing to join the anti-abortion crusade. That is an inconvenient fact to the right. They don't want to admit it, that their roots are pro-choice, but the left doesn't like that either because everybody wants to paint the other side with a broad brush as if no one can change their mind. Well, I changed my mind and I am now a pro-choice activist. My name is Frank Schaefer. In Conversation with Frank Schaefer is a production of the George Bailey Morality and Public Life Fellowship. It is produced by Ernie Gregg and hosted by Frank Schaefer, author of Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy, a post-pandemic blueprint for rebalancing work and family in favor of love and living. To learn more and support the show, please visit lovechildrenplanet.com.